Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. AM 1060, as always, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. It's Friday. It's July 7th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortelaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I know you've probably heard us mention this several times now, but we'll mention it several more times before we're done with the day. But uh, today is the last day for a vacation ahead for Bob and I. We'll be off July 10th through the 14th and back with you on July 17th. But don't think we haven't forgotten about uh, Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. You can visit our friends over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. And the weekend specials for you, 8-ounce Butcher's Blend Steak Skewers at 2 for $15, 8-ounce Chicken Skewers Butcher Blend or Rosemary Garlic at 2 for $12, and the 8-ounce Bacon Wrapped Prime boneless pork chops at two for twelve dollars that's over at von hansen's meats and spirits you can check them out online at von hansen's meats.net we'll have the 100 gift certificate a little bit later on in the show let's reset the scene though with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question in regards to some of the baseball topics that we were Diving into an hour number one, is this weekend's Atlanta at Tampa Bay three-game series a World Series preview? No, leading the way here now at 55% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 45%. Two best records in baseball so far, but obviously they're coming in on a you know different note here. The Braves have lost five games total since June 1st. And the uh, Rays have lost five games this week. Uh, lost their last five, and they've lost 11 of their last 17 games and just got swept at home by Philadelphia. That is, in fact, true. Uh, we'll answer that question around uh, 1130 today. Tossing on it on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, who wins the NL Central. And uh, the Cincinnati Reds have busted out of the tie here now at 57.1% of the vote. Milwaukee sitting at 42.9%. First of three series this rest of this month between these teams, and then they're finished for the season. They'll have completed their 13 regular season games uh, when they play the uh, July 24 through 26 series at Milwaukee. They play three games this weekend in Milwaukee, three games next weekend at Cincinnati in that final series later this month. This is the negative of not having 19 division games anymore. And uh, certainly I don't really criticize the schedule maker too much because nobody in the planet thought that the Reds were going to be any good this year. So, you know, oftentimes they kind of try to backload division games, same as the NFL does now. But they try to backload some of their division games against what they consider to be you know the uh, the better you know teams and the teams that they expect to contend and so forth. 
But uh, you know, three series this month, and that's it for this year in the regular season between these teams. We'll answer that question as well around 11.30. We'll take your calls at 11.15-602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. We spent a lot of time this week talking about uh, the NBA free agency period and maybe focusing in on the teams that we thought improved, got better, did some great things at the free agency deadline. And, of course, we spent some a lot of time as well diving into what we thought about what the Suns' free agency moves were like. But John John Hollinger of The Athletic put together, he doesn't want to call it the losers of free agency, so he calls it the which teams progressed the least in free agency thus far. Uh, and so for him, number one on this list was the Toronto Raptors. As they lost Fred Van Vliet, they did sign Dennis Schroeder, which was probably the best that they could do with the money that they had, plus also just looking at the, uh, the guard, the point guard market in the free agency realm as well. Uh, interesting here because the Raptors are going to be having a new head coach and, and then you also have continually and I doubt it's going to stop uh, what's going to happen with Pascal Siakam what could potentially happen with OG Ananubi could they be on the move and, and what could they potentially do there for for the Raptors and uh, basically starting a, a new regime now uh, changing head coaches Okay, I'm going to make this really simple. The Raptors window, whatever it was, is long shut. Number two on the list, the New Orleans Pelicans. To fill uh, the next two roster spots for the Pelicans, they will be over the tax, even if it is minimum uh, contracts. So they are likely going to have to move on from some players, and maybe that is going to be uh, Jonas Valanciunas uh, could potentially be on the move to make some cap space. The Pelicans are an interesting team. They were they were my Pelicans last year until they weren't. Uh, and, and certainly... They struggled without Zion, but Zion's availability and him being um, a key key cog to this team is an interesting conundrum because he isn't really able to stay healthy. But obviously, the way that the the team is constructed, he was clearly an important piece for them. Yeah, he is, and now they can't even get rid of Zion. So we'll see how that goes. They, I'm sure they would love to get rid of him, but nobody wants him. You know, there was some brief talk that Charlotte might be interested in a draft day trade for him, but that seemed to kind of vanish as quickly as the story came up there. It was gone, uh, so we'll see. I actually like their draft, but uh, and they have some nice young players. You know, I don't. You know, I think that they actually are not a bad team if healthy. If uh, even with, uh, you know, I'm not even counting Zion. I think they'd be better, quite frankly, without him at this point. I thought that there could be a potential to move on from him last offseason. That was, like, not based on any sort of report. It was just kind of my thinking that they they had played and, and made such strides in – in the playoffs in that push that this young team is about to turn the corner and uh, are they going to to see that there's opportunities to kind of get more pieces for, for one player and they didn't do it and now to your point uh, they're kind of stuck, right? They are and I think also people that are criticizing them for taking them originally they don't really understand or remember what the landscape was of that draft he was the only player that was you know, worth taking with the first pick of that draft. There was no other player to even consider taking a number one. 
Number three on this list is the Sacramento Kings, and it's all surrounding the renegotiation and extension of DeMontis Sabonis for $195 million. And his question here is, was there really a uh, flight risk for him that you had to lock him down a year early? Interesting here because the Kings were such a fun team. Uh, they surprised early on. They kept that momentum. They were a really fun team in the playoffs and especially that Warriors series. Uh, but certainly I think youth and maybe lack of experience in the playoffs caught up to them a bit. Well, I'm stunned that uh, they did this with Sabonis. Um, he had a bad playoff history in Indiana. I think we just all blame the Pacers for that. He sucked in that series against the Warriors. The only thing he did right is he got his body in the way of being stomped on by Draymond. Uh, so that's about the only thing that went well for him in the playoffs in his history now. Kind of reminds me of Justin Herbert uh, as far as the NFL goes. You know, I was all in on Justin Herbert when nobody was before the draft. I was all in on Sabonis uh, before that draft. I wanted the Suns to draft him, and I thought, okay, I was right about this for a while. Then, you know, Justin Herbert has absolutely sucked with the season on the line the last two years when it's mattered the most for the Chargers. Then Sabonis, there are few players that have a worse playoff history now supposed star players or difference making players or players that a team are building their organization around I can't think of anybody that's been worse in the postseason than he has unless it's Julius Randle it's the only other guy I can think of Number four on this list is the Trailblazers here. Before we get into uh, why he's talking about it from progress the least in free agency, there's a latest report from Aaron Fentress uh, because that's what's currently happening now. Damian Lillard news. Yeah. Pretty much every. Aaron, Fent Aaron Fentress, who used to join this show all the time back in the day when he was covering Oregon football and basketball and the Blazers. And so I forgot all about Aaron. So good for him. He's still out there. He is, and he has a report here that the Trailblazers are looking for something in the neighborhood of four first-round picks and two quality players in exchange for Damian Lillard, even if a third team is needed in the trade. That's quite a haul if that's what they're looking for. I'm also curious what quality means. Well, I also keep hearing uh, the mention on ESPN with Bobby Marks as their cap guy. Uh, NBA cap guy that they almost for sure is going to have to be a four, third and fourth team involved. I don't blame the Blazers. I mean, you, they should be asking high. And now the bad news is everybody knows that you're going to try to – you have to get rid of Will Lillard at this point. He's not going to be on their team next year. So it's not exactly the best bargaining position for the Blazers, but might as well ask high, and I'm sure that they'll settle for probably far less. Uh, now, into what John Hallinger was talking about here, and it's Jeremy Grant's five-year, $160 million deal. You make this deal because you were probably under the assumption of we need to do what we can to make Dame happy and to build around him. So you, you make this particular uh, investment in Jeremy Grant, then to find out that Damian Lillard wants out. You probably could have gotten J Jeremy Grant on a much um, cheaper deal, if you will, so that that's kind of now putting uh, the ability to trade Jeremy Grant uh, a little bit more of a perilous situation for the Blazers. Yeah, actually, this is just the Blazers being stupid. Um, 
Either they didn't understand the situation with Lillard. Sure seems like the Miami Heat understood Lillard's situation before the Blazers did because the Heat basically have cleared roster space and cap space to get Lillard. But uh, the Blazers did not do that. I actually think Grant's a good player, but who were they bidding against? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, And number five on this list here is the Denver Nuggets. And he says that the Nuggets will be good next year no matter what because of their five starters. Those are the five best players. The front office has clearly done really well at hitting on almost all of their draft picks. So maybe it's going to happen again, and it's hard to be critical here. But there is question marks on almost every bench spot on the roster because of who you're going to have to rely on with Jeff Green moving on, Bruce Brown moving on, uh, going to have to now rely more on Christian Brown, etc. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't care uh, what the Nuggets did in the offseason. Um, basically, I don't care who's on their bench right now or coming off the bench right now. I would rather have whatever five players they start the season coming off the bench. Let's say it's a five. You know, let's say it's a even th- like three guys. Let's so let's say it's an eight man rotation for their team. I would take whoever they're going to have. I don't care who it is. I would take those guys over what the Suns currently have coming off their bench. Uh, We have certainly dove into a lot about the Phoenix Suns and their free agency moves and what they were able to do uh, with how very little money they had to play with and had to work with. You can certainly chime in about NBA free agency, chime in about the Arizona Diamondbacks as we approach the all-star break. Uh, If you... If you yourself are going on vacation, where are you going? 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls on the other side of the break. We'll also continue on. Uh, Yesterday, we did the 33rd put together the NFL teams in every division that could surprise in 2023. Coming from Marty Morningwig as well as Dave Wanstatt, we focused in on the AFC uh, yesterday. We'll get into the NFC on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM. 1060 as always follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Eleven twenty-two, right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always. Follow along online at kdos1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. If you'd like to chime in, feel free to do so, 602-260-1060. So yesterday we went through the 33rd, put together the NFL teams, every division that could surprise in 2023. And uh, it's coming from Marty Morningwing as well as Dave Wansett. Just a brief recap as we went through the AFC yesterday. We'll go through the NFC today. So in the AFC, 
AFC East. Uh, Marty Morningwig was on the side of the Jets. Dave Wanstat was on the side of the Dolphins. Over in the AFC North, both were in a consensus agreement about the Browns. Uh, then you also had in the AFC South, uh, Morning. and you know what? In fairness, they probably had to pick someone here. Uh, in the South, uh, Morningwig was on the side of the Colts and Wanstat was on the side of the Texans. And then over in the AFC West, the consensus was on the Los Angeles Chargers. So as we move into the NFC, uh, let's start with the NFC East. Marty Mortingwig is on the side here of don't overlook the Giants. Uh, the Eagles are coming off close loss in the Super Bowl, have to be the favorites, as well as the Cowboys nipping at their heels. But can the Giants improve after reaching the playoffs and winning a wild card game? Wanstat here is on the side of Cowboys could head south. He is saying that the Cowboys have a lot of pressure on themselves, especially Dak Prescott and especially Mike McCarthy taking over all of the play calling duties. Uh, he mentions here that they kept Tony Pollard, but he's coming off of a knee injury. So will he be ready to roll? How is the run game going to look? Does that put more pressure on Dak Prescott? And then when you talk about pressure, uh, they, Dak lost his tight end in Dalton Schultz. That was his security blanket. So morning wigs on the side of can we see more from the Giants? Wanstats on the side of maybe a step backward for the Cowboys. Okay, well, I'm already uh, looking to bet the Giants under the season win total, which is eight and a half. I'm looking to see if there's any nines out there, and I will definitely do that. I just, you know, they were very fortunate to win as many games as they did last year. They had a lot of bounces go their way. The schedule is far more difficult, and actually as far as the NFC East goes this year, the cross divisions for the NFC West, for the NFC East, or the NFC West. So at least you get the, you have to play the Niners and the Seahawks. You also have to play the AFC East. All the NFC East uh, teams play the AFC East. Far more difficult schedule than last year when they had, you know, really the, you know, as a division, according to just winning percentage from last year, they had the easiest schedules of anybody in football totally different this year does the situation with saquon barkley also lend into potentially taking the under for the giants if he doesn't play i mean he's not gonna is he, is he gonna play one snap in the preseason even if he's there probably not uh so i don't think that matters just to, you know but uh if he's obviously holding out a camp and whatever i'm not going to get nine anywhere so eight and a half might be my best bet but uh I just don't buy the Giants for this season, whether he's playing or not. Uh, when it comes to the numbers here, the division, the Eagles minus 110, the Cowboys plus 175, the Giants plus 750, and the Commanders 10 to 1. Just for fun to make the playoff numbers, Eagles minus 400, the Cowboys minus 225, the Giants at plus 184, and the Commanders at plus 285. Moving into the NFC North, Marty Morningwig here says, got to love Packers chance. Can the Packers create momentum with Jordan Love at quarterback? Uh, great home field advantage, so they should be able to get a few home wins to get the season going. As for Dave Wanstat, he is on the red flags surround the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings won 13 games last season and won 11 of them by one score. Appear to be a fragile team, as he calls them. Brought in Brian Flores, who is no nonsense, while Kevin O'Connell seems to be more laid back. So how will this staff 
mesh together? And then also, how will Jordan Addison start off his NFL career? Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with any of that. As far as this division goes, uh, I'm gonna I'm looking to play the Lions under the season win total nine and a half most places, maybe hopefully a ten somewhere. I'll definitely play under ten uh, at some strategical point. You know, all the hype and all the stuff at the end of last year. Remember, they started the season horribly last year, and then had that late season run. I'm just not buying it. You know, Jamison Williams is already suspended for the first six games of the season. They've had a lot of problems keeping their offensive line, which is when healthy, intact. They're really good. But those guys have not been able to make it through a full season without injury at any point in their careers together. Uh, and uh, I think there's just been uh, – they've gone from underrated to, I think, uh, now hopefully for me, vastly overrated. Uh, for the numbers here, the division, you have the Lions at plus 145, the Vikings at plus 270, the Packers at plus 350, and the Bears at plus 420. To make the playoff numbers, Lions minus 170, the Vikings plus 104, the Packers plus 138, and the Bears at plus 172. Can you remember a time, though, when the Lions were minus 170 to make the playoffs? No, I can't. Uh, and then again, I don't pay attention to these numbers because I've don't almost not, rarely have ever bet on any of these things to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. When I have, it was in Justin Herbert killed me two years ago when he sucked at the end of the season for the Chargers. NFC South here, Marty Morningwig. Reich Young give Panthers hope. Can first-year head coach Frank Reich with the Panthers and Bryce Young create some wins? Thinks that the Panthers can actually win the NFC South title. As for Dave Wanstad, he's on the side of Carr can drive Saints to the playoffs. They signed quarterback Derek Carr, who plays with a chip on his shoulder. Wanstad believes here, maybe this is a controversial opinion, he believes that Carr is a top 10 quarterback, maybe even top 5. Also, you're getting wide receiver Michael Thomas back healthy. I think you can make a case he could be a top 10 quarterback. Top five seems to be somewhat outrageous or maybe completely outrageous. Uh, but, uh, you know, heading into the season, I'm certainly interested in betting on the Saints, uh, not for the season win total because it's gotten out of control, nine and a half or tens I've seen out there for the Saints uh, season win total. That's a little too high. I understand the division has to factor into this because you're going to, you know, they're, this is a bad division, needless to say. But uh, not quite buying into that. But I am interested in betting on the Saints and some games from week to week until I change my mind and maybe they're not as good as I think they might be. If they keep their defense intact, and, uh, you know, they've had a they've had a top 10 defense for pretty much every year that Dennis Allen has been there, whether it be the coordinator or the head coach. Uh, but you remember last year, I think that's the one thing that kind of got lost in the shuffle because uh, they've had so many offensive injuries that were more high profile. But their defense was rarely, if ever, healthy last season. Yeah, and for the Saints here, though, I mean, obviously we know about their potential on defense and how they started to perform more like we thought toward the middle to back end of the, the year last year. Does age at any point in time for some of the key players start to creep into your mind at all about, oh, are they going to be the same Saints formidable defense we've come to know? No, I'm okay there. I think the, you know, the age factor 
It depends on how you look at this. You know, the guys that were hurt last year, some of those are older players. However, they didn't play last year for the most part because they were hurt. So it's not a wear and tear from last season and playing too many downs and they didn't make the playoffs or anything like that. Didn't have a deep playoff run, but we'll see what happens with that. But the biggest question I have about the Saints is, you know, we had the same talk last year and the Saints are, I know I read a story this week that they're still a little miffed that the NFL is yet to really make a ruling as whether Kamara is going to be suspended or not. And we had the same discussion like last year at this time. Going back to the Panthers for just a second here, uh, you know, I obviously was very high on the Panthers last year. Defensively, they certainly showed a lot. Now it's just kind of uh, getting that quarterback situation figured out. And I think there are legitimate questions, though, about Bryce Young and whether or not his size is going to be able to compete at the NFL level. But at least from a defensive standpoint, I understand it's going to be a new defensive coordinator, but uh, Averro is coming over and we saw what he was able to do in Denver uh, so at least defensively you think you can hang your hat there I think that's possible but you know, I'm once again and I, you know, I apologize for people that are probably still tired of me talking about this in the past I don't think Frank Reich's a good coach and I'm like in the minority of one that doesn't think he's a good coach I've seen him blow too many games with stupid in-game decisions and when you have a team that is, you know, not a dominant athletic team and is going to outmatch their opponent every week. I think that this shows up more and more all the time. I mean, he had a chance; they had a chance to make a playoff run last year and I, two years ago. I will never forget the game that he completely, totally blew in the uh, first round of the playoffs against Buffalo. Totally blew it. One of the worst coaching performances in the history of sports, let alone the NFL. Yet all the metrics people think he's the greatest coach of all time. Division numbers, Saints plus 135, Falcons plus 220, Panthers plus 330, Bucks plus 700. Make the playoffs numbers, Saints at minus 164, Falcons at plus 116, Panthers at plus 168, and the Bucks at plus 360. Tossing this on over to the NFC West, Marty Morningwig is on the side here of Seahawks can build on 2022. No doubt the 49ers are built to make a run, but thinks that uh, the Seahawks there are poised to challenge them for the NFC West title. Dave Wanstat, don't sleep on Seattle. He says that Pete Carroll really likes to run the ball. We saw what Kenneth Walker was able to do when healthy, and he could potentially be a bell cow for them next year. And then he goes on to say that the Seahawks will close the gap on the 49ers. I'm definitely interested in the Seahawks from week to week, but as far as this division goes, I think the Rams are going to be awful. And I think it's kind of lost in uh, the fact that everybody thinks that the Cardinals are going to be, if not the worst team in the NFL, one of the worst. Uh, but, you know, the season win total for the Rams is seven and a half. And I think that's actually too high. And, you know, rarely have I bet a team under seven and a half wins. If I could find an eight, I would definitely be involved in betting under that. Uh, but, you know, they, I understand that, you know, they had some injuries last year to Stafford and Cup, no question. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald wasn't nearly as good when he was actually playing. Uh, you know, he was out there kind of stumbling around and didn't seem terribly inspired in some games. But I just I think that their lack of talent is just going to be you know, blatantly obvious this year. And the fact that there are two really superior, they're not going to win either game against San Francisco or Seattle. There's four losses right there. And then this cross division, 
Not easy for this division either. So uh, I'm definitely interested in betting the Rams under under hopefully eight. And I would strongly consider betting under seven and a half wins. When it comes to the Seahawks, I mean, we know what kind of draft they were able to have. I think the biggest thing for me is uh, we saw the emergence of Geno Smith last year. Uh, we know the numbers that surrounded him in terms of completion percentage, et cetera. Um, now it's just... Is this the new Geno Smith? You know, obviously, I think it's pretty clear he's putting in the work. Uh, he's found a great system that works for him. Uh, so now is he able to be that consistent player this next season as well? I think he just has to be average. I'm going on the assumption that Seattle, they put a lot of money uh, before the draft into uh, their defense via free agency, and uh, they needed to really improve in all three areas. Uh, especially in their front seven, and it sure seems like they have done that. Uh, so to me, if those guys hit, they're guaranteed to have a good season. Division numbers, the 49ers minus 165, the Seahawks plus 200, the Rams 10 to 1, and the Cardinals 24 to 1. Make the playoffs numbers, the 49ers at minus 430, the Seahawks minus 122, the Rams plus 285, and the Cardinals at plus 980 to make the playoffs. So that's kind of going through the teams to surprise. And obviously, uh, we'll be getting into some training camp and previews and things like that in the latter half of the month of July. As it is for right now, though, it is time for the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Caller number three is the winner, 602-260-1060. The weekend specials for you uh, over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The 8-ounce Butcher's Blend Steak Skewers at 2 for $15. 8-ounce Chicken Skewers Butcher's Blend or Rosemary Garlic at 2 for $12. 8-ounce Bacon Wrapped Prime Boneless Pork Chops at 2 for $12. That's right. Caller number 3, 602-260-1060. You are the winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And visit them online at vonhansensmeats.net. It's poll question time next right here on KDOS. AM 1060. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Congratulations to our winner, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits gift certificate. Visit them this weekend, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. It's that time, though, as we turn our attention to the poll question. So let's start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Is this weekend's Atlanta at Tampa Bay 3? game series a world series preview yes or no i'm gonna say no uh, these are the two teams i actually picked to get to the world series before the season started uh so i guess i was a little ahead of the bandwagon on tampa bay unfortunately uh even before they hit this recent stretch of uh you know futility i think that uh they even before then i just wondered whether they're starting pitching was going to be good enough to complete, compete in the playoff series. I will say, though, looking at the rest of the American League right now, how many rotations are really 
solid. Uh, I would assume that you know whoever makes the best starting pitching additions before the trade deadline, uh, which is unlikely to be Tampa Bay just based on their history, but whoever adds the, the, the most uh, impact pitchers, starting pitchers, before the trade deadline is probably going to win the American League and maybe even somebody that we're not even thinking of right now. The American League also much better than the National League is this year. And uh, I think the, uh, the, the, the playoff competition is going to be much tougher to get through the American League. So I don't think that Tampa's going to make it. Atlanta is the best team in baseball right now. And if they get Freed and Kyle Wright back from injury as expected during the second half of the season, uh, I would be really, really surprised, much like last year when I thought Houston was the best team for several months before they won the World Series. I would be really surprised if the Atlanta Braves do not win the World Series this year. So, uh, you know, certainly when you just look at all of the different models and all of the different projections, it comes out more times than not that these two teams are going to be the teams facing each other in the World Series. The problem is, have the Rays hit a wall with all of their starting pitching woes? And it started before the season even started, and yet they were still finding ways to win, and they were uh, progressing along really nicely with, you know, the record that they had. And now all of a sudden here in the month of June, maybe it's catching up to them. And the question marks are, is it just kind of catching up with them a little bit of fatigue? They need this all-star break. It's going to be good for them. Or is this a larger problem uh, ahead for the Tampa Bay Rays? So I think uh, kind of not really knowing that. And then if the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be a team that, that does try to make a move at the trade deadline, they're not usually one that goes after big splashy players, but if they can, get some help uh, that would certainly help to bolster the starting starting lineup and the starting rotation, then maybe all of a sudden all of those other pieces back in place and they're the good team that we've seen all season long. So um, I'm going to say yes for now because I also don't know in the American League who's standing out to me above and all over the rest of everyone. So let, let's say yes. Okay, I have one other quick thing here to say. Not exactly a rebuttal, but you mentioned the pitch, the uh, numerical models. Those things are absolutely absurd, especially because there are going to be a number of teams that are far differently constructed after August the 1st than they are right now. That is 100% true. Uh, the masses are on the no side of things at 58% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 42%. That is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Over on Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, who wins the NL Central, the Cincinnati Reds, or the Milwaukee Brewers? And uh, I'm going to say, until proven otherwise, I'm going to go with the Brewers. Okay. Well, I'm going to be on the Brewers, too. Um for a few reasons. One is a massive managerial difference here between Craig Council and David Bell. That's one reason. Two is the Reds certainly do have you know better starting nine for sure than Milwaukee, but Milwaukee has a deeper pitching staff. Uh, the Reds have a really good closer in Diaz. They have a really good right now. Uh, starting number one starting pitcher in Abbott, but not much in between. The the Brewers, I think that the surprise of many, not with Devin Williams, who was an all-star closer you know, last year and 
has been even better this year. He's tremendous, but their Brewers' bullpen, uh, which I think a lot of people wondered if that was going to be a big weakness for them, they've been one of the best bullpens in baseball so far this year, and they've got three or four guys. I mean, if they get through the fifth inning of games, the game is pretty much over. Uh, so that's going to help them. The other thing that I would favor the Brewers over the Reds is that they, you know, this is maybe the most absurd idea I've had here, but they do only, they only play nine more times the rest of the season. They're all this month, and six of the nine games are in Milwaukee, and, and the Brewers, well, maybe I should say the Reds. I mean, they play great at home. They play you know, great everywhere here lately. But the Reds outside of the Great American Ballpark, uh, seemingly not nearly as good. And I'll just add one more thing, which is I think actually far more important than the last thing I just mentioned. The Reds don't know how to play baseball. They've got young players that have been, I think, they've, they've got unbelievable ability and athleticism, but they have no idea for the most part, other than McLean, their shortstop, who grew up with his dad, a high school coach, and he played in college at UCLA. The Reds, the minor league players, they've done a terrible job in the minor league system teaching them how to play baseball. And as recently as yesterday, there was an inning yesterday that they missed two cutoff guys and just did stupid stuff. But they're so good athletically, and the Nationals are just a bad team. They were still able to win that game yesterday. The masses are on the red side of things here at 57.1% of the vote. Milwaukee sitting at 42.9%. This is on Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Maybe it's the Ely De La Cruz uh, phenomenon. Well, he's a, he's a classic example here. Um, yeah, he's an incredible athlete. He kills right-handed starting pitchers. He's hitting in the 100s against left-handed starting pitchers. And yesterday, he was part of the what-the-hell-are-they-doing-defensively part. He was playing third base yesterday. He keeps playing a shortstop some days when clearly McLean is the guy that should be playing shortstop every day, plays third base other days. Just leave these guys in the same position and let them learn how to play a position every day. Uh, they will be in a th uh, three-game series this weekend. The Diamondbacks are also in a three-game series against the Pirates. We'll get into that a little bit more on the other side of the break as we wrap up this Friday edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. A reminder here for you as well. Uh, we're on vacation July 10th through the 14th and back with you on July 17th, but no reason that you can't go and visit our friends over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the 8-ounce Butcher's Blend Steaks skewers at two for $15, the eight ounce chicken skewers, butcher's blend or rosemary garlic, two for $12 and the eight ounce bacon wrapped prime boneless pork chops at two for $12. Pick up some wine, pick up some beer, pick up some spirits and some treats for your four legged friends at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. One more segment to go on this Friday, July 7th here on KDOS AM 1060. to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day.
extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again, Bob. It's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, singular, uh, MLB writer Scott Miller uh, from the New York Times, and also, uh, in addition to being a frequent Sports Zone guest, a frequent guest on MLB Radio on Sirius XM. Sound of the day, courtesy of uh, ATL 680 AM, the Braves flagship, WDAE, the Rays flagship in Tampa, St. Pete, WLW, the Reds flagship since even when I was a kid back in the 50s and 60s in Cincinnati, WTMJ, that's the Brewers flagship in Milwaukee, Bally Sports, Arizona, NBC, Fox, Bally Sports, Arizona, and TNT. That's a whole lot of spots there, credits and so forth. Uh, and as always, special thanks to uh, Kayla. And uh, Kayla, you deserve a vacation. You need to get out of town. You're going to get out of town. Congratulations. She's going to tell us, in fact, before she goes on vacation, she's going to tell us everything that's going to happen on this station between now and July 17th. <laughs> Okay, I'll try my best. I know for sure, upcoming, it's going to be Sports Map Radio Network from noon to 1 o'clock, and then it's going to be the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and then you'll have some Sports Map Radio for you for the rest of this evening. Um, And then I know that uh, I have to pack because I haven't done that yet, and then I know that I have like a... 345 4 a.m. wake up call because we have a 6 a.m. flight tomorrow morning uh Mm -hmm. which yes we have a layover in salt lake and then we're on to jackson hole wyoming uh is wyoming a place you've ever been to i have uh when i covered university of arizona basketball for a couple years uh they they were in the whack then and uh still at that point and uh, went to lovely downtown Laramie and uh, watched them play. And what was the building that they played in was a rodeo grounds also. Uh, and uh, it was an interesting experience for sure. That's my Wyoming experience. So, um, you know, you know, you know me and uh, how I am with weather. Uh, so I've been looking at the weather for Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And during the day, it looks like it's going to just be absolutely beautiful between like 75 and 80 degrees. And then I think the body is going to go into shock because it's going to be like uh. lows of like 45 to 47 degrees. So I'm going to have to bring bust out my parka or something like that. But it's going to be a very sure. welcomed uh, cooling trend. And I've seen just so many photos of how gorgeous everything is and we're going to do all the hiking trails we're going to visit yellowstone so very much looking forward to it uh while you're going to be diving into uh 50 days before college football season gets started that's correct i'll know everything i think i know i need to know before college football i'll know that by the time we come back so that's uh my goal, I'll actually I'll be listening. I can probably, I'll hear your the teeth chattering in the cold weather at night in, in Wyoming. Uh, speaking of college football, though, big noon kickoff on Fox. They have officially added Mark Ingram. That had been rumored for quite some time. Officially happened. He'll join Matt Leinart, Brady Quinn, Urban Meyer, and of course the host Rob Stone. Reggie Bush apparently... Really? Yeah, apparently uh, he left amid a contract dispute. So Reggie Bush, oh. no more. 
No Wendy's commercials with Reggie Bush anymore either, maybe? Uh, yeah, I thought, thought those I don't were know, pretty those good. I those funny. <laughs> yeah, actually, the Reggie Miller and the Reggie Bush commercials with Wendy's, uh, they've, I think, been very well done. Yes, absolutely. Also, you had mentioned this in the sports zone, but it's worth repeating again. Uh, U of A football, they get edge rusher Elijah Rushing yeah. from Sal Point in Tucson. He's a number 20 overall prospect in the 2024 ESPN 300. He was considering Notre Dame, Oregon, and Tennessee. But to clarify, it is a verbal commitment so yes. far to the U of A. Right. They have never signed a five-star recruit in the modern recruiting era. Uh, they actually had a couple guys that were five-star level players back in the non-modern recruiting era. Uh, even when I was there in the 70s, they had a couple of big-time recruits in those days. But, I mean, this is a huge deal for the U of A. He's also a defensive player, which is important because Jed Fish has really gotten nobody to play defense for their, for their, for, in their program in the three years he's been there. Nobody. The Suns officially did sign Eric Gordon. Also, the Suns in Summer League get started Saturday against the Bucks, 6 p.m. on NBA TV. And if you want to go see Victor Wembemyama over in Las Vegas, I guess expect to shell out like $850 to go see him. Ticket prices are outrageous to see him. Hopefully, Brit- uh, hopefully what's her name? Britney uh, Spears. Britney Spears. Hopefully, she doesn't show up when there's some kind of controversy. As always, we always appreciate you listening to us right here on KDOS AM 1060. As a reminder, we'll be off uh, July 10th through the 14th and back with you July 17th. Thank you, and we'll talk to you then. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend and rest of the week as well.